Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave any questions or feedback as you journey with us through His Word. I'm not saying welcome to In Scripture, but I will say... But you just said it. It is... It is so weird that it's sunny outside and we're in this room. I'm so used to us being in here when it's dark and gloomy. You know what that means? This room's going to start getting hot again. Yeah, it's already hot. It was hot, hot all day. stuffy. So I made sure my wife turned on the fan and I turned the AC up in the upstairs. But, um, you know, like I said earlier, it'll be a lot better once I cover the windows up. It'll be I don't nice think that's and- the problem. I think it is because the sun's mostly on that side of the house all day. Wait, that's where it sets? No, that's where it rises. Oh. And it's there all day until, you know, later. Well, I don't think covering the windows will do it. It sounds like you just have a ventilation or an AC <laughs> problem. It's just <laughs> too big of a room. It is um, so I'm driving today and it was pretty crazy. I'm like standing and I'm going, I'm going to church to meet Austin for something like real quick. And so I'm standing on... Uh, Hickory Grove. Do you know Hickory Grove mm-hmm. Church? Well, so I'm standing near that intersection, and I, like, stop, and I let this truck take a left. So I'm, like, letting him go because the car in front of me is, like, you know, 50 feet away or whatever, and they're at a red light. So I'm, like, no reason for me to block this guy. So I let him go. He takes a right or a left, his left. He pulls in, and the lady was pulling out to take a, her left on the other side. And she saw me let the truck go, so she so she took the opportunity to to slide out of there. And she goes in front of me, which I was like, whatever, I'm already standing, I don't care. And she doesn't look to the le- to to my left, and because there's another lane of cars, and so mm. she pulls out, and the car, this truck, just slams. Oh, you saw an accident, right. dude? It was right next to me, but the truck was going like 30 miles an hour, um, which is really not. I don't think it's that fast. I mean, it happened within like half a second. And I saw that the lady was like, she got out of the car. She was fine. Like both cars were totaled, like airbags off, <laughs> oil everywhere. But both drivers were fine. And so there was like another car that like stopped. And I don't know. I, I was like, what, did am you I feel bad? what am I going to do? I did feel bad <laughs> because for some reason I, I thought the whole thing through and I'm like, did I like intentionally lead that lady <laughs> to believe that she's good to no, turn? She was not. But I wasn't attention. pointing to the lady. I pointed to the truck and told the truck to go, and she just risked it and wasn't paying attention. Risked and it for the biscuit. She yeah, dude, she, took she got that biscuit slammed. To the face. <laughs> and and then I drove away and I'm like, man, I feel guilty. I feel like I should be over there like trying to, you know, help or be a witness, but I'm like, I got no time. I gotta come home. I got to prepare for the podcast. <laughs> I got no time for this. I'm not going to so, be a witness. <laughs> but like I said, the lady's fine. So uh, she, like I said, nobody was like really, really injured. I mean, cars are pretty safe nowadays. You, you could wreck pretty bad and be fine. Yeah, I mean, it depends how old it is, but you still got to keep in mind, 30 miles an hour is 30 miles an hour of a two and a half ton, ton piece of metal yeah. going at each other. So Making it feel bad. Yeah. Making it feel like uh, the Good Samaritan story. Where you just, I mean, dude, there was a ton was he, the, of the priest, <laughs> the Levi. <laughs> I felt like if I would get out of the car and try to help her, she'd be like, 
why did you tell me I could go? <laughs> and then I'd be included in this whole thing. And I was like, I got nah. a podcast. So you, an- you analyze the situation first. I should have put an scripture sticker on her card. <laughs> Call us. We'll pray for you. Um, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. I never witnessed an accident right in front of me before. I don't think I have either. I've hit a bunch of stuff. <laughs> You've been the cause of an accident? <laughs> I've never been the cause. No, actually one. But that was dumb because I think I was just a minority in that situation. They blamed me for it. But I've... Was that the Prius? No, this was back when I still had my Sentra. Hmm. I I was the cause of a side swipe, which was nothing huge. It was just a side swipe. Do you remember some of the homies we grew up with? Yeah, I was going to tell would, a story. That would, if they're getting cut off, they would purposely swerve in. There was one time <laughs> we were go. Uh, youth was like driving back from the beach or whatever, and it was on the highway, and there was bumper-to-bumper traffic, and all the cars are stopped, and a group of guys ran out. They're stopped in traffic, so they get out. The passengers get out of the car, and they start jogging along the highway. <laughs> And all the people in traffic, they're like, what's going on? They're like looking over to the to their left. Like a few guys are just running on the grass. And as they're running, like the some girls were like looking over at them and like they weren't looking at the front and they just smashed <laughs> the car in front of them that had stopped. And then like for no reason, the guys are like just laughing and keep running. It's bad because they're technically not supposed to be walking on the highway. Yeah, but. Those girls need to be paid. That's not the time I'm talking about. I think you know the individual I'm talking about who'd be driving his Audi. And if somebody cut him off, he'd purposely swerve and hit him. And then... Uh, Get a payout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's the kind of stuff we grew up with. I'm not that kind of guy. None of us are. No. <laughs> you, have to be a, you have to be a certain kind of individual. Yeah, I don't even drive those kind of expensive cars. Well, yeah, good segue. There's so many more stories I could think of. Maybe another time. Yeah, another time. But um, so we've been kind of out of Ephesians for last week, and we're going to be out of Ephesians for today as well. Just taking a small, I don't know, mental break or call it what you want, but figured give us some diversity in topics or conversations that we like to have. And we like to have this diversity as well, too. I think it broadens our horizons a bit so today we're going to take a different approach last week we talked about um defending your hope giving a reason for the hope that is in you we talked about christ and so today we're actually taking the conversation to christ himself about traditions and commandments you know dum, dum, dum. you know when we take a break from a book <laughs> the episodes are supposed to be easy going <laughs> but you just happen to pick the hardest yeah. we're walking on coal here fellas <laughs> hot coal no it's supposed it's i think it's gonna be pretty edifying because it's something that a lot of us come in in contact with. one last one latest thing i've learned about jesus is he was by far not a traditionalist at all no, and he, was, and he was not afraid to speak the truth mm-hmm. because he's God. Right? He's got that full he authority because he can. So let's go ahead into it. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. Um, our focus is going to be on verses 10 through 20, but we're not going to just dive, dive into it. We, we have do. to give a look. For this specific story, it deserves a little bit of background information. So um, we'll have that foundation uh, to talk about so you guys can actually understand what we're trying to convey. Um, so Vlad, if you can, in your 
godly given blessed beautiful voice please read us for us oh, from matthew 15 all right let's one. let's start at the top Drop i can the hear 15. his heart beating from here oh <laughs> i can feel it not just here <laughs> all right let's do it verse one then the pharisees and scribes came to jesus from jerusalem and said why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands when they eat he answered them and why do you break the commandments of god for the sake of your tradition, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whatever, um, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father and or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He needed not to honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, uh, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Ooh. Anytime verse starts with the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome time. <laughs> it's an awesome conversation. <laughs> because if you watch the chosen, I always, you know, they always portray them to be like they're just hanging out on the side and like what's going on here and they're always like mm -hmm. watching like hawks and i feel like every time we come to a passage like this they're just watching and and watching indeed they were and that's what um they they're starting to have beef with jesus about certain things but do you guys notice this time they're actually now i'm not going to say this is the first time but this time they do speak out usually they'll take notice and move on to you know prove a prove a case against no they i mean they always tested him it's yeah. either they themselves or they sent spies yeah because remember with the dinar dinars about paying taxes yeah those were spies that were sent out to test him specifically yeah no but i'm saying in this instance they actually address him directly verbally yeah yeah they're actually talking because i'm just i just remember there's many other times where they just watched but didn't say yeah oh, he's trying to trip him up trying to catch him in some kind of word so yeah. they can get him on blasphemy so uh, let's just do a quick background check. So this term Pharisee, we hear it all the time. Who are these people? Does anybody know? Anybody want to answer that? Tackle that? I mean, we know. <laughs> do, you know? <laughs> do you know? I know. What do you know? <laughs> well, can you tell me? No, because then you'll know. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Jesus did not like them. Yeah, so uh, the Pharisees, uh, if anything that was ever instituted by God, such as like the temple, the Ten Commandments, the sacrifices, and uh, all these things of that nature, uh, the Pharisees were not one of them. The Pharisees were a social movement uh, that kind of... Like conservatives? Uh, kind of like conservatives. The original intent was legalist was, legalist. was to place them Strict. as political and religious authorities over the people. Mm -hmm. um, this is during the 400 silence period. So after all the prophets and after them stopped prophesying, during the time that God stopped talking to the Israelites right before the New Testament, it's that interim between the Old and the New Testament is like what we like to call it. It's during that time that the Pharisees emerged as a social movement, separatist. That's pretty much what the Pharisee mean. The term Pharisee means, it means to be separated from everyone else. And that's where we have the rabbis also come from and everything and all this really, really strong religious kind of movement. Now, one of the things that the Pharisees were known for was the upholding of the Jewish law, um, the oral 
passing down it orally specifically. Uh, of course, they also taught it from scrolls and everything, the readings and all that. And they made sure that the people, the towns that they lived in, that they were uh, following the Jewish law and they judged them if they weren't. So they had authority, they had influence, they had power, they had money, they had wealth and all that. And they, a lot of people didn't really like them actually because of probably maybe that super legalistic traditionalist, which we see that a lot from watching movies, right? I mean, does anybody like a person that always looks down on you, you know? Or trying to catch you in a bad moment type of deal? I grew up with some people like that. Yeah. They're still your friends? No. They were like yeah. way older. I mean, he's still friends with you, Vlad. Yeah. You always look down on me. <laughs> Just because he's taller. I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> we'll check that after. <laughs> Stay tuned for after the podcast. All right. But the Pharisees were those types of people. They were super legalist, super traditionalist. And the one thing that they also did along and many other things, but I think that this pertains to this specific story that we're talking about is they considered the purity laws that God himself established for service in the temple. They thought it would be wise and better if we take those laws and apply them to our everyday lives outside the temple. That's why where they get this, all these like, you can't do this, you can't eat that, you can't be around these people, you, can, you have to wash your hands so many times and everything, you have to cleanse this, you have to cleanse that every single day. So they took those purity laws that were only for inside the temple servitude for the priests and the high priest. They took that and said, hey, let's apply this to our everyday life because why not? Because we are godly people, we should be clean anyway. Um, that's like in simple form. And that's where we get a lot of this traditionalist, legalistic stuff that Jesus kind of condemns him for. I love that you brought that up because it's like when you're dependent on the law, you'd want the law to be observed by more and more people and more strictly, right? Because that's what your dependence on your salvation is, you following the law. Right. Their interpretation of the law was probably correct, but their application was wrong because God said, this is what you do in the temple. He never said you need to do this outside the temple as well. It might seem, and this is probably going to be the overarching uh, so what of, of our conversation today, is that there are certain laws that might look good in a certain situation or a specific service or a specific place, but that doesn't mean that God intended that law to be carried over and uh, executed on our in our daily lives on the same behalf, in the same situation every single time. Your church doesn't everywhere. wash feet? now does yours <laughs> so That'd be nice service and a lot of people confuse that or think that it might be wise to do that but we see the negative repercussions of that of how that negatively affected not just jerusalem but it created this whole social movement that was really pretty much of no blessing to the people yeah and i notice here it's very important uh verse verse two he says why did your disciples break the traditions of the elders. They never said the word of God. Mm-hmm. They never quoted anything from the Bible. They did say tradition. They just said tradition of the elders. What does of the elders mean? Their previous rabbis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Their previous writings that they've come up with. Yes, maybe it's grounded in the Old Testament for purification mm-hmm. of the high priests and all, all that stuff and purification of the nation. But in this context, I think they're bringing it up saying, why aren't you following the guidelines that the Pharisees and the scribes and history has put together? Yeah. Do you guys realize they traveled all the way from Jerusalem to say this? Yeah. Because they're in Galilee right now. 
Yeah, they're on the northern side of Galilee. That's far. Of the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. So they they came all this way. So they already had a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. They're coming to they're coming after Jesus. So at the end of verse chapter 14, it says that Jesus crossed over to Gennesaret, which is just about five miles west of Capernaum. Mm-hmm. And Capernaum is like the very tip of the Sea of Galilee. And Jerusalem is what, maybe a hundred miles south That's of the like sea? A week. So it was, yeah, travel by donkey. That's a long time to go. Um, so, And they were following Jesus all the way from Jerusalem because it's the headquarters of the Pharisees. There was it the Sanhedrin? Temple. Temple, Sanhedrin? Because they, they weren't ministering in the temple. They were they had their own consul. I think it's the Sanhedrin. Anyways, but um, they had their own consul thing that they had headquartered in Jerusalem. And they followed Jesus all the way here. How many, we don't know. Who specifically, we don't know. But the point is, is that we have this clash God's law versus the traditions of the elders. Which one gives way, which one's right, which was wrong. So uh, leading up to verse 10, uh, we see that the Pharisees and scribes come to Jesus from Jerusalem and saying like, why don't they wash their hands? Now, for those of you know, there was a very specific way they had to wash their hands, like water had to be covering all of their hands and they weren't allowed to just go and wipe it. They had to actually let the water drip, run down to their elbow and drip off their elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you actually cross-reference Mark chapter 7, because it wasn't just hands that they were supposed to wash. So let me bring you just quickly bring this up. So uh, just how crazy this was at the time. Mark chapter 7, starting from verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat. This is the same story. Uh, so for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So you can see like the extent of washing they have to do before they sit down and eat, right? Especially if they come from outside the home. They literally had to wash the things that they sit on inside the home mm-hmm. that's theirs already. Like you would think that would stay clean ceremonially. Right, you know, physically, but ceremonially, but no, they had to wash everything. And this types of washing isn't even prescribed by God Himself in the Old Testament, not even for the temple service. So, would you say they're adding to the scripture? Absolutely, they're adding to the scriptures, to the commandments of God. And even if God did prescribe it to only the temple, and they're taking it outside the temple, then that's adding as well, because that's not what God prescribed. So, what was the point of the Old Testament and the law? Why did God give it to the people of Israel? For what purpose? Well, if you read Romans chapter 7, I believe, Paul says that the law was there for for us to understand what sin is, to understand how we are... Schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Also to understand who God is and His righteousness. Exactly. And to show us how sinful we are. Gave us a vision of a mirror almost to see who we really are on the inside. Yeah. So they they tell him this, and what's, what's Jesus saying here? He calls them exactly what they are, hypocrites, right? This is not, this is the term that we always hear about, you know, being preached from our pulpits, discussing groups that the Pharisees were hypocrites, Sadducees were hypocrites, the priests were hypocrites, all these people. But this is exactly why they were hypocrites, because he says um, that the commandment of God says, right, honor your mother, right? We are to take care of our parents and show them honor and help them. But he goes around to the Pharisees and say, but this is how you actually break God's law, which in your eyes seems okay because you say, well, 
whatever I would have given it to my parents. Instead, I gave it to God. So therefore, it was a better, a wiser choice on my part. Mm. So therefore, you can't blame me for not honoring my parents. Pretty much what he's saying. But God actually says no, because he commanded you to honor them in that situation first by you thinking that you're whatever it is that you're giving to God, you're doing it for God's glory. You're actually doing the opposite. They're rewriting the law. Exactly. It's like they come to Jesus. They're like, hey, why aren't they following this tradition that the elders gave? He's like, wait a minute. Why aren't you following the basic Ten Commandments? And he literally just takes that, switches it around. Like, why aren't you just following the basic law? Yeah. And he's like, look, God told you, honor your father and mother. Look, you rewrote it. Mm -hmm. You literally just rewrote it to weasel your way out of the God's law, what God told you. And you're hypocrites. <laughs> he just calls them out. And yeah. on top of that, he throws Isaiah at them because what better way to put down a person than to than prophets, prophets so. than <laughs> yeah. to prophecy, right? And he says, and because Jesus is king of hermeneutics, um, but he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. So why I said that is because he, he knowing, knowing what's written everywhere, because he is the reason it's written everywhere. He wrote it. Um, he, he, put, he brings verses 8 and 9 from Isaiah right back at them. And I think after this conversation, um, that was a detriment to them. I mean, they, were, they, they, got, they got squashed. Yeah. I mean, big time. Because he says at the end of verse 9, right, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he's saying that these traditions, they elevated them to such a point mm -hmm. as if it's what came out of God's mouth mm -hmm. himself saying these things, which is obviously a lie. God is, I mean, Jesus is literally pointing them out red-handed that they're liars, that they're hypocrites. And, yeah. not, and not only that they lied, but the whole hypocrite thing is exactly what he said, that they do all this superficially, but inside the heart, they are dead. Mm -hmm. They yeah. are empty. And verse 13, I, I'd like to read it because it has a few key words in it. Well, let's go Isaiah. ahead to uh, yeah, have Vlad read 10 through 20. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Isaiah. Oh, okay. Yeah, verse. basically this from chapter 29 and verse 13 is where Jesus gets this um, passage from. But it says in there, because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. So their hearts in reality are far from God, right? But um, they fear God through commandments of men, which is like backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like, a little explanation. Kind of like uh, the Old Testament it was all of the law, but no one was ever going to fulfill the law ever. And when we read Hebrews, the hall of faith, we see all those great men of the Old Testament, um, Abraham, um, Isaac, um, you know, Samson, all of them that are named. Mm -hmm. It's all by faith. By faith, they subdued kingdoms, you know, it lists all their feats that they did by faith, by faith. It keeps repeating that. Mm -hmm. It just iterates how God was never looking for the law to be fulfilled. He was always looking at the heart. Like David, he was a man after God's own heart. And God lo is looking for faith, not the law. And then they had it all wrong. That's kind of why he's saying, you hypocrites, you missed the whole point. Yeah. And let's, you've created all these laws. Let's do 10 through 20 real quick. Let's do it really uh, fast. 
<laughs> really fast. We only did the background in what, like 20 minutes? <laughs> All right. Mark's not here. And he called the people to him and Both said to them, Hear and understand. This is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees are offended when you when they heard you say, when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that is that my heavenly Father has planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. Let the blind, um, they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whoever, whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Boom. Case closed. Amen. Mm-hmm. Pray and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually used this verse before to argue with a Muslim. Have you guys ever used this verse? I've never argued Not with a Muslim. I've never argued with a Muslim. What was your argument? Let's so start there. When I was like, man, what was I? Probably about eating beef. No, I was, I think I was 20. I got married. I was already married. I worked at this pizza shop while I was in school and it was a Muslim owned pizza shop. Pepperoni? And dude, they served, yeah, they served <laughs> like all kinds of, uh, you know, pig related food, <laughs> but he, they would never eat pepperoni because I was like making a pizza for them, for the owner, and I was gonna have some. So I'm like laying this out, and I probably should have known better. But I go to <laughs> go to reach for the pepperoni, and he's like, "My brother, what are you doing?" <laughs> they had this like thick accent, and I was like, "What's the big deal?" He's like, "We cannot eat that." And then from there, I was like, "Why not?" I knew why not. But I was like, why not? And uh, he, he went in. First of all, he was offended that I even asked him. And I'm like, just tell me your reasoning. Like, like I want to know what. And then he started going into saying how the, the you know, it's, it's nasty meat. It's coming from a pig, right? Same with shrimp. Shrimp, they consider that pretty bad too because it's like it's a bottom feeder. Mm-hmm. And pig is considered a bottom feeder of the animals, of the livestock. So... He was like, there's diseases, there's this. And, you know, obviously his his scripture mm-hmm. forbids him from eating it. I was like, well, my scripture doesn't. Well, wh- where he got me to get into this is because he told me my own scripture does. He's like, it says in the Bible, you can't eat meat. All right, you can't eat pig. Or, um, And I was like, what you talking about? What are you talking about? So I opened up Matthew 15 and I like whoosh, opened down my phone and I was like, dude, what does that say right there? And then he was like, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. And I was, <laughs> I was like, explain me that passage. And he's like, you know, yeah, but the Old Testament, you know, none of the Jews ever. And so we got into this conversation. And that's, this is exactly what I told him. I was like, Jesus, my own God, who, who, wrote, who wrote the Bible through people, right? Through the Holy Spirit. He is here right now in this moment. And he's saying, it's not what goes into you, it's what comes out of you, comes from your heart. That's what you should be concerned about, not what you're eating. And um, and like I said, I probably wouldn't have really argued or debated with him unless he brought my own Bible into this, like trying to tell me that um, I'm doing wrong. And so it was just one of those moments I'll remember for the rest of my life because he was like, he was like so shocked. 
You know what's interesting is that and I ate the pepperoni. I was like, <laughs> I was like chewing it while I was talking. I probably shouldn't have been doing that. Talk about a sla- <laughs> slap in the face, man. He, he was your boss, right? Yeah, but he he was. He was was that your last day there? No, no. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because we always attribute um, the fact of when we were, or supposedly when God said it's okay to eat all animals, was with the vision with Peter. I think Acts chapter 7, I believe, mm-hmm. or uh, 11. No, 10. Yeah, I know. It's there. About, it's yeah. there. I forgot. But it's it's that story with um, Cornelius, mm-hmm. right? And Paul, Peter has this vision with a, a basket or this uh, white blanket coming out with all of the unclean animals that they weren't allowed to eat. And God says, eat. And he says, no. And God says, it's now clean. Don't say what's unclean if I've made it clean. But... <laughs> It's actually, Jesus is what said all food's clean. Because if you go to Mark chapter 7, again, verse 19, it says, um, thus he declared all food's clean. So it's actually Jesus that declared all food's clean, not during that vision with Peter. Mm-hmm. It's actually been years before that point that all foods have already been declared clean to eat. It's just, you know, it probably it takes, didn't hit him. Yeah, yeah, but that passage is more toward Gentiles. An illustration. Yes, that, hey, I know. But I know like at least like from what I grew up hearing and understanding is that that is when actually people were allowed to start eating. You know, mm. the Jews were allowed to start eating cows and pigs and lions and all those other things that were unclean if you read Leviticus. But um, other, but going back to Matthew 15, so we ha- here we have this conversation that Jesus is having with the people around him and his disciples. And he's saying, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of it. And he talks about the heart. He talks about the food. He talks about the stomach and expelling, <laughs> not expelling. All right. <laughs> Biblical words here, man. It is, it Jesus is. said it first. Facts. Facts. Um, so let's talk about this. So um, honestly, so where this stems from is that the Pharisees. Sorry, I have a Bible app that I was opening, and it has an ad in here. Why are you on a your Bible phone? app with an ad? Yeah, I have like that's a first three Bibles open. But anyways, go on. Um, so let's see where this says. So the Pharisees weren't accusing the disciples of eating things that were not clean, mm. right? They were accusing them of eating with unwashed hands. That's the accusation. Is that by doing that they are defiling themselves because they are defiling the food first because they're touching supposedly clean food with unclean hands. So it makes the food unclean. And then if you eat it, it makes you unclean. Mm. That's their argument. But Jesus says, is that really so? Jesus says, no. And that's why he calls these people because, and we don't know how many people were around him um, because all we know is that he's in uh, Gennesaret and this is right after he heals someone in sick. And Locked right after water. feeding the 5,000 too. So he had crowds following him, obviously. And he had people around him wherever it is that he was. And he really wanted to make this point clear and understood and heard. So he called the people closer to him first saying, make sure you hear and understand what I'm about to tell you because this is a big point that he's trying to make. So he says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand and it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that this defiles a person, right? And uh, <laughs> talk about 
verse 12, right? The disciples come to him and says like, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying, right? Like, have you ever said anything that offended a person knowing that you, what you're saying is the truth? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. is, should we as Christians uh, be mindful of that? Or should we just speak the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the if truth If scripture all day backs long? it up, yeah. you should not feel bad for saying But it, it says, say it with grace. Everything should be sprinkled with grace. Is Jesus using grace? Yeah. Okay. I think he was. I think he was. Although he was very aggressive, right? He literally called them out hypocrites. Well, who was aggressive first? They approached him to try to put him in a put him in a bad position. Well, you know? I don't think they probably weren't aggressive, but I'm sure he sensed either the tone or he their hearts. He put them in their spot. He knew their hearts, right? We yeah. see many passages <clears throat> elsewhere where they tested him, and he says he perceived their hearts or their intent. And I think the same thing's here. So, <laughs> yeah, it says, the disciples say, like, you know they were offended by this? Like, how? I bet they were looking at him when he was talking. They were, like, mouth open, like, it's like, how could you say that? Yeah, so it's like, <clears throat> there's going to, they were probably expecting repercussions from the Pharisees on behalf of this, of this, of the statements that Jesus was saying, right? But Jesus is saying to them, let them go. Just let them be. Why? Because in verse 13, he says that every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Now, remember I mentioned that um, the Pharisees were not instilled by God. This is something that came out of the people themselves, mm-hmm. which maybe they had good intentions, but they it did not last that long with the good intentions. Maybe... Maybe uh, it was never really good intentions because it uh, seems like they were there for the political um, and the religious power. Legalism. Legalism to keep people under control. So maybe then there were never good intentions to begin with. We don't know. But we know that we never hear anything about the Pharisees um, that that this organization needs to exist because God said it so. We We don't find that in Scripture. And so that's why Jesus says that these people were not planted by God. And since they were not planted by God, he's going to eventually uproot it. And we definitely see the dissipation of the Pharisees after the destruction of the temple in 70 uh, AD. So going into that, do you think when he says, let them alone, that's a form of, um, how do you call it? Ignore them? Like a severe judgment by God. Um, I think verse 13 is more of the judgment. Maybe don't. Right, but 14, that's why, because of verse 13, he says, let them alone. Yeah, he says that, you know, God will take care of them. Don't worry about them. Right? Don't don't waste your time confronting them and debating them, mm-hmm. trying to convince them otherwise. That's not your job. Speak the truth, preach the gospel, and God will work in their hearts. Because how many people are actually convinced through debates? Zero. Not very, many. Very little. Like you can throw all the facts at a person and they will always find a way to turn it around. It starts in the heart. And I think that goes well, to Well, you got to understand the point of the debate is for the other party to convince the other party. And the only way they are able to do that is not just throwing evidence at the other party, but they themselves are grounded in their belief and their understanding. So if the Pharisees are grounded in their belief and understanding, no matter what you say, more than likely you will never convey or sway them, right? It's, we find like 
maybe a small handful of Pharisees. Nicodemus. That, yeah, Nicodemus. Maybe even, uh, was it uh, Gamaliel? Gamaliel. Gamaliel. That was, that told the council, like, hey, if this is from God, leave Peter and John alone. You, There's nothing you can do to stop them. But if it's not from God, it will, it will fall apart like everything else, right? Same thing here. Jesus clearly says that they're not from God. And so just leave them alone. They're going to fall apart, which they, they didn't even last 200 Maybe they last two hundred years, but they last. They didn't last a whole long after um, the destruction of the temple until they started to fall apart. It's interesting. I remember from the sermon from Sunday, speaking about uh, Hebrews and how the law showed to us who we are. And when you are a legalist, you you start following the law to the T, and you get to a certain point. Mount Sinai. You, yeah, you get to a certain point where you feel like, hey, I'm doing really good. And you start looking, you feel like you've, you've climbed up to another level. And you start looking down at those other people around you who aren't at the same level as you are. And you start judging them. And you're starting saying, you, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And Were you, you here for our elevator discussion? Elevator discussion? Was that last heard? week? <laughs> no, this was like a couple podcasts ago. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it has make sense of what you're talking about. It's like same thing, just mm-hmm. like you're saying, what a person, you shouldn't look at people who, I guess there was a false preacher. He's preaching this like heretic. Oh, yeah. And he was saying like there's spiritual levels, elevators. And mm-hmm. if you're on an elevator going higher and a person's on a different elevator way lower, you're already higher than them. So don't worry about what they think. Don't look behind you. Yeah. So anyways, go on. That just made me think about that. So we hear this term legalist, legalism a lot. Is it just the fact of doing, try, fulfilling all the commands to the T or is there more to it? It's, it's more of a heart. I feel like when you're focused on the law and your outward comes a lot performance, of you're constantly focused on how you're doing, how you appear to others, and you always set a high standard for others to meet. And if they don't meet that, you condemn them and you look down on them and you judge them. You're always looking out. You're never looking in. That's the problem. And mm-hmm. is that how they measure a person's spirituality or maturedness? Absolutely. I think that's it. we're seeing it right here. They come up to Jesus and they're like, "Look, you're being your your disciples are defiling themselves. You call yourself holy. Look at your own disciples. They're not even washing their hands. Yeah, breaking traditions. Yeah." Um, so yeah, so Jesus says, let them alone because they're blind guides. They don't, they, um, he says, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a, into a pit, right? Because that's expected. You can't see where you're going. You're going to stumble and fall. Um, and so like up to this point, you would think that, okay, this is pretty simple. It's not what defiles a person. You're not defiled by what goes into you, but you're defiled by what goes out, right? Um, but comes out of the mouth, defiles. But the <laughs> Peter, verse fifteen. Uh, apparently, he didn't get this. Like, would you think this is a pretty simple, like, straightforward? You know parable? what the significant? A little. There's a little bit of significance to this. You brought this up actually, just like a few minutes ago. What did I say? Remember, you said that Peter still didn't understand. Um, that's where Acts uh, chapter ten. That's what I was trying to open okay. up my Bible before this commercial came on. <laughs> but um, it, in Acts ten. Uh, Peter still didn't get it. And I, I think in Acts 10, even how much time went by, um, in verse 14, um, actually verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
in verse 14, Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him second time, What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Sorry for my KJV. Um, but you're forgiven. But Peter still, Peter still didn't get Stubborn. it. Wasn't actually till he came to Cornelius, yeah. heard his story, yep. and only then it finally clicked. So it's him. funny that he's a, he's the one that's asking this. Yeah, the rock of the church, right? The one that yeah. supposedly the church is built upon. You know, Christ and everything. Yes, but I like Jesus's uh, answer to him. <laughs> so it's explain, like a nice way of saying. Explain this parable to <laughs> us, and he said, "Are you still without understanding?" Now I want to see. What does the King James translate this to? How does the King James put this? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> my King it's going to be another ad. <laughs> we can't, we can't. I know the language is beautiful. I just want to hear it and see how King uh, James... My favorite King James line is uh, when... Suppeth? No, when he was at the wedding and uh, Peter's... Or uh, Jesus' Mary? mom, yeah, she came to him and she's like, hey... Woman? And he's like, what do you want with me, woman? <laughs> I think right. in Russian it sounds a little bit more yeah. powerful. Uh, Matthew 15. Uh, 16. Okay. Hopefully there's no ads this time. Yeah. Are ye also yet without understanding? Are ye. Are ye. Yeah. <laughs> ye. Um, are ye also without understanding? Do you, so I'll just read it. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So he's clearly saying that although you may have a tradition, and morally, ethically, it might be good, and it might have ground and valid, Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make you unchristian or unfaithful or unreligious if you break it, right? Yeah. All I want to say is there's wisdom in what, you know, what they're saying, this defiles. I think they started from the right place because in the Old Testament, it tells us that there's a purification. If you touch a dead body, you must, you're unclean. Mm -hmm. You must wash yourself. This is before we knew anything about bacteria, about viruses, about any of that, about these diseases. And there was a lot of wisdom that got put into the scriptures to prevent a lot of these mm-hmm. uh, illnesses. Um, and nowadays, um, we know a lot of that. And like you say, shrimp and pork, yeah, pork, going through uh, my schooling and my God, background. Carp. The medical field, It's there's a lot. There's a lot of diseases that come out of pork. Mm-hmm. There's wisdom in that. And I think that's not what we're saying here. That you shouldn't be eating five Big Macs a day and you won't be affected by it. That's not at all what this is about. It's it's saying stop looking at this legalism. It's about the heart. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I love the thing I love about Jesus is he's always going to the heart and he's always trying to explain to not only his disciples but everybody. Um, you got to focus on what's coming out of your heart. Um, and here he says in nineteen, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. So evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander, all of these things come out of the heart. And if, if those things come out of the heart, you got a way bigger problem than you mm-hmm. washing mm-hmm. Uh, your hands or what you're eating. Now, we're not advocating for people to just start breaking traditions in their churches and their families and say, well, the scriptures or the people in scripture told us that we can. And 
Does it make us less Christian? No, that's not what we're saying. Depends Absolutely what not. traditions. If you're Amish, I tell you, stop being Amish. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm sure every tradition has grounds, has validity. Um, something positive. Yeah, to build moral character, ethics, whatever. But the point is here is that what Jesus said, when you're teaching them as doctrines, that is mm -hmm. when you're crossing the line. Yeah. And when if someone breaks it, whether intentionally or accidentally, and I'm sure there's probably a case-by-case -case basis to this, and this may not apply, maybe not to all traditions, but because some, some traditions are actually what the Bible prescribes as law. You just have to be careful. But that doesn't mean that we need to look down at them. Like you said, we shouldn't be looking down at them as a worser person because odds are we are probably breaking traditions ourselves at the same time. We shouldn't be judging them in that way. But even if we are or if they are, the point is, is that it doesn't mean that God loves them less. It doesn't mean that they're automatically a horrible person and you know lost their salvation or never had it to begin with or whatever the fact may be. That is not the point. But that, that's how the Pharisees saw it. But Jesus says that is not how it is. What actually defiles you is not by the breaking of traditions, but it's like you guys said, it's your heart. If your heart is not right with God, you are a sinner. You are then a defiled person. Because if your heart's not with God, you will have all these things come out. Theft, um, false witness, slander, sexual immorality, right? These are not just things that you say. Some of these things are actually what you do, right? Like sexual immorality, that's something more of what you do, not just something that you say. So he says, these are the things that defile you. If you do those things, not just not if you don't, if you eat certain things or don't wash your hands before you eat. I think I can speak for all of us, but we grew up in, you know, the Slavic culture. We are mostly, of us, most of us are immigrants to this country. So we grew up in a certain culture standards that we followed and everybody that didn't follow those, we kind of had a lot of pride that, oh, look, we we do this, we do that. Pride and, and judgment. Every, yeah, and judgment and in pride and a lot of, even Christians that didn't dress like me, didn't act like me, maybe they had a tattoo, maybe they wore shorts and flip-flops to church, they looked different, they talked different. I'll say, I'll be honest, I would judge them sometimes and say, hey, look, what kind of Christian is he dressing like that, acting like that, watching that, saying that, and never realizing there's more to that. There's more to Christianity than just how you look on the outside. And that stuff grows inside of you too. Mm -hmm. Legalism is very easy to grow. And over time, I think you become more bitter and you it's become very, more and more judgmental. Very potent. Yeah, and it breaks families. It breaks churches. You yeah. have, there's, like you said, there's wisdom. You have to have a lot of wisdom to approach this and not saying that, you know, we're the wisest people. Of course not, absolutely not. But, you know, coming from our experiences, from our cultures, from our traditions that we grew up in, you know, we can't say that they're sinful or sinless or whatnot. Um, every culture has its perks, <laughs> perks, has its pros and cons, right? Nuances. Even the American culture. Nuances. And stuff. Yeah, they all have their nuances. Um, but I do remember, I can definitely relate, like when me growing up here, mostly here in America already, but, you know, I've been going to a Russian church all my life. To say that's bad, no. To say that um, we are the only ones getting saved, the Slavic cultures, yes, that is an absolute sin to say that, I would say. You can't say those kinds of things because Christ died for everyone. And just because the Americans, the Chinese, the Africans do church differently than what the Slavics do, to say that they're going to hell for that, you know. That's wrong. 
That's sin. wrong. There might be some things that they are doing that isn't bringing glory to God. And, you know, us in the, being in a Slavic church, we could be doing the same thing. We all try to approach things differently with wisdom, with observance and analytics and making sure that falls in line with scripture and that doesn't, and that's good. And people should be doing that no matter what background you come from. But just to blatantly say that just because this person's culture is different than mine, but they're not crossing the line in terms of sin according to scriptures, but we judge them as that, I think that, I believe that is wrong. Can I, can I just add to what you said earlier? We're not advocating you rebel against whatever your church no, is teaching. Absolutely not. Because if you're in a church and you're a member, you have agreed to follow the laws and maybe not the laws, but the rules. Audiences. Audiences of the church. If the church says, hey, we don't want our members wearing earrings or we don't want our members doing so-and-so, we want head coverings. If you're in that church, you've agreed to follow those rules. You shouldn't be, you know, making waves from that. You know, you shouldn't, if you, you shouldn't disagree, rebel. you shouldn't rebel. If you disagree with that, I think the wise thing would be to maybe have these conversations in private with other members or choose another church that falls in line with what you believe. You know, I don't think it's our place as Christians to cause splits, to cause divisions and rebellions within a structure mm -hmm. that we need to have a lot of wisdom because we're, we always have to think that we're not always right. We might have a certain view on something that we think our view changed and we try to get everyone else on board, but sometimes we yeah, could be off, absolutely. right? I was reading some material on Chuck Smith uh, for this uh, for this passage and he was saying an example um, from his career when he was preaching or, or his, you know, when he was at his church, um, she had a, he had a lady, <clears throat> he had a lady that came in with some of her friends and they were visiting from some Lutheran church. And after the service, um, it says here that she came up to me and she was shaking. She was so angry. And she said, why didn't you face the altar when you prayed? And she was really upset. And he, and he said, what? She said, why, when you prayed, didn't you face the altar? And he's like, and she's like, why didn't you? And he's like, well, I guess because I don't think Jesus lives in the altar. Um, but the traditions say, you see, that uh, why didn't you turn towards the statue of Jesus when you prayed? But by the traditions, there's a violation of the commandment of God. We're not to have any images. And so this goes back to, um, yes, you have, you know, in your church, you might have Jesus on the cross. We don't have that in our church, but... Um, some churches do, right? And so they always try to pray towards it, or they always try to wear their um, necklace with Rosaries. Jesus on the cross. And so um, they're <clears throat> now now you are in sin because to you, the um, the altar itself and how you approach it is more than actual prayer, is more than actually um, it's for you to get angry at and you can approach somebody and be mad and confront them even though they did nothing wrong, but now you're accusing them that they are doing something wrong. And so, um, because I thought, I thought for a while, I was like, well, what's a good example of when it's too far? You know, what's a good example? And I think that, that right there is an example because yes, the scripture does teach us you can't have idols. You're not worshiping, you're not worshiping a, a painting. You're not worshiping, um, uh, Mary or St. Peter painted on this thing, you know, and it's like, we could go on and on about this, but it, it's, that's not what it's about. 
I don't want to be the devil's advocate to that story and say, well, what, how come Daniel praying to towards Jerusalem is right then? I think he was just... Did it, com- did it say G- David was right for doing that? Daniel. Daniel? It doesn't say he was right or wrong, but he was doing the same thing. He was praying with his windows open towards Jerusalem. But we again. But that's a whole. Point. Just, yeah, that's no, devil's point. advocate. But that's fine. That's a good whole different point. Story. But I'm going here with Vlad. I don't see that scripture calls it a significance of any kind. It's just no. a, a thing. He I think did. it's his conviction. Yeah, one could say that because he was exiled at that point, away from well, the temple was destroyed, but away from where supposedly God resides. Mm-hmm. He would want to pray towards where God is. Not not some idol or some statue or some city just because it's the city, but his heart felt. I feel I feel like maybe that's why. I'm reading what, into what it. What if he but. only had one window in his house and it was facing that way? Does that mean God can't hear if the window's closed? <laughs> All right, down another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that window played a huge part in the latest part of the, that story, but yeah. It's I mean. think this is a a very valid uh, valid issue, and I love that we're able to discuss this because this goes this goes such a long way. Um, this can come in many forms. This type of stuff. It, not only is it food, uh, it's a it's lifestyle. It's the church we go to. It, it can sneak up on you anywhere, and I think we have to be mindful that Jesus was not a traditionalist by any means. Jesus spoke the truth. He, he re- yeah he respected traditions. But he, when they crossed over the doctrine, commandment of God line, then mm-hmm. that's where issues arose like here. Yeah, and he, and, and that's the thing is like, just pay attention in your, in your walk of life. If, if you're at a place where um, spiritual growth is second to something um, like a, a rule or something like a, you know, uh, a, a legal thing that people are focused on. It could be many things, but if if Christ's spiritual growth and the Bible is second and third place, you need to really think about where you are, um, because like we mentioned earlier, it does grow, and if it's if it's prevalent in the place that you are, it will just get worse and worse. And if Scripture is not there, if Jesus is not there, if spiritual growth is not there, but everything else is, what are you doing there? Mm-hmm. What are you doing there? And what um, think about what are you getting from it? Are you just looking at people different, or are you actually wanting to go and serve the Lord and preach the gospel? So these are important things to think about. But at the end of the day, just think about what Jesus said, um, verse nineteen: "For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander." These are the things we need to focus on: is what comes out of our heart. What are you putting out of your heart? Is it is it legal rules? You know, is it, you know, all kinds of other things other than gospel? Is gospel coming out of your heart? Is Jesus coming out of your heart? Um, what do you live for every day? What do you look up to every day? Because you can look up and live different things and just focus on what you say, what you say to people, how you respond to people. And um, from there, I think you can start thinking about, you know. I think it could, like, if I could say purity starts inside the heart not from the outside. Yeah. Because if your heart is pure on the inside, it will come out. Whatever what how does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, and that's a true tell of how a person is spiritually. It's what's inside of them. 
And like you were saying is that we need to focus on the inside and purify ourselves from the inside with God's help through the Holy Spirit to eliminate sin from our hearts. And that's what will draw us closer to God, changing ourselves from the outside and then like washing the cups from the outside, but the inside is uh, defiled. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what Jesus was saying to the uh, Pharisees. You know, we're missing the point. Yeah. I think we'll wrap it up there with prayer. Um, thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful time you have given us to gather here and to read from this wonderful passage in Matthew, Lord, and how you were approached by the Pharisees in a certain way, Lord, and the way you answered and the way you reacted was so perfect and that we're able to study and understand it. You really told us to focus on what comes out of our heart, comes out of our mouth, Lord, and not what we eat, not what we do, not the legal rules we might surround ourselves with all the time, but what's in our heart, Lord? Are we focused on you? Are we putting out the gospel? Are we talking about you? Are we growing in you? Are we reading your word? And those are the things that matter. Um, Because from the heart, oftentimes, a lot of sinful things come out, just like you mentioned, Lord. And let us think about that. Let us think about our environment. Let us think about who we are. Because at the end of the day, um, you being the creator, you do so much for us, and you've given us um, new life, and you have died for us. And through that, we should serve you and love you and spread your gospel. Thank you so much for giving us all this wisdom and knowledge that you give us through scripture. May your name be praised. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.